But yeah, it's it's just nice to be here. So hello. We only have one microphone. No, we're used to two. So. <laughs> oh dear. At, at the church in um, down south, they have the microphones. Uh, at different levels because my voice is lighter and sometimes I pick up the wrong microphone and you can see everybody run to the soundboard (laughs) and start (laughs) scrambling to fix the problem. Um, We had a couple join our church last year and um, uh, the gentleman, the husband, is a major in the Air Force and his wife and him both grew up Baptist. So if you can imagine, military grew up Baptist. And so they walk into our church, and it was a big stretch for them just to come into a different, more of a non-denominational, spirit-filled kind of culture. And um, some of you may have seen online, we started a school of ministry in the spring, which is basically um, a part-time school. We took the school of ministry program from Toronto and put it over nine months so that anybody could do it, you know, if you had a job or kids or whatever. It's, it's done in such a way that everybody can be involved. And so they signed up to do the school of ministry, which was amazing. And we've been teaching about the Holy Spirit. And just a couple of weeks ago, she had this experience where she was sitting in her living room and she was saying, Lord, I just don't understand. You know, they're talking about the Holy Spirit and these gifts. And I never heard about any of this growing up. And and I just want to know this is you. And I'm a little bit afraid. And as she was praying... She saw this picture because we'd just done all the Mark Verkler stuff and had been learning about seeing pictures and visions. So she sees this picture of Jesus standing in front of her and he's holding this beautiful gemstone (coughs) that she can see (coughs) has nine facets on it. And she knew immediately it was the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. (coughs) A sesame seed went down my... (coughs) I, I forgot that you started without doing announcements, and so I tried to quickly scoff some trail mix, <clears throat> but it's worked out not in my favor. Sorry about that. <clears throat> so anyway, this, this stone with nine facets, and she knows this represents the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. So she puts out her hands, and she sees this picture of Jesus give her this stone, and when she took a hold of it, it was... Um, without substance, it was just light, and it kind of went right through her chest cavity, and at that moment, she started speaking in tongues, spontaneously in her living room, and she, she came to, to the school the next week, and she was so excited, and I think we've seen seven people just in the last six weeks speaking in tongues, people in their 50s who their whole life have wanted this and have never got it, so just a little story of some of the cool things that have been happening. And I also, we, we just want to thank you guys for the offering that you sent down with Kathy and Cameron and back in April. And that was a real blessing. Uh, but it just seemed, it, it somehow seemed even more of a blessing because the, the day before Cameron gave us that, we made an offer on a house and um, we didn't get it, so don't get excited. But, um, but we looked at how it was like just above our price range, and I looked and I said, you know, in a year from now, we will have this debt paid off, and, you know, this particular debt, and it will free up $200 a month, and then the house will be affordable. And so we made the offer in faith, thinking, you know, we'll just survive for a year. And then the very next day, 
Cameron gave us that check, and that was the balance of that, the remainder of that debt. So it, the next day, I was like, yesterday I was saying, in a year from now, we'll be able to make it. And then one day later, it was done. He comes quickly. You know, in, in uh, Revelations, where it says that he comes quickly, it doesn't mean he's going to come soon, but it means when he comes, it's going to be in a quick manner. It's going to be in a quick manner. That not, has nothing to do with my teaching, but there you go. So we want to talk a little bit about faith, and there is a lot you could say about faith, um, but we're just going to say a few things. Uh, I'm just going to throw out a couple of scriptures here. Mark 11, 22 through 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And again, Hebrews 1, which Katie so nicely put up there, though she didn't know we were going to use it. Isn't that great? Um, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Okay, and we see here that that believing, which is the same thing as having faith, and, you know, faith uh, are this important component in obtaining things, right? Faith is what we use to obtain things in the spirit, but but also in the natural, right? Um, I love, we had Dan Slade recently, and you guys probably know who he is, but he said faith must turn into something that you can touch, or you feel it, you see it, you smell it, Faith needs to turn into something that is real in this world, right? But, but we obtain things with our faith on, on two levels. One of them is we obtain things, and first, it appears in an unseen way. Uh, it's an idea or a thought or a value or, or what we believe, and then it becomes real. It becomes something of substance. And, uh, you know, we... Are, we, are, we are, have been given a measure of faith, according to Romans 12. All of us have been given a measure of faith. And we are obtaining things all the time, every day. So could I have that uh, shopping cart back there? Thank you, Tori. So we, we have this shopping cart, which is great. It was in the kitchen. But this is the universal symbol of obtaining things right here at least in North America. And so here we go. You know, this is what we use when we want to go shopping, right? We, we, you know, we get stuff. And so we need to see that every day from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, 
we we have a shopping cart, an unseen shopping cart that we are walking around with, and we are obtaining things. Right. So what are we obtaining? What are we putting along in there? You know, if if I go along and you know Tara's driving her car and she runs me off the road and you know <clears throat> it's like I'm gonna take some kind of belief or some you know what I what I believe about her or other drivers I'm gonna I'm gonna put some something in this cart right and unless I intentionally you know if I just take what comes you know and I and I intentionally don't process what happens stuff just gets put in here all the time you know if I go over and there's Cyrus and it's like hey how's it going and He's like, great. And then I find out that he's having this big party and everyone's going and I'm not invited. And it's like, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to maybe believe something about myself, my experience at work, um, you know, any good things, too. Good and bad things happen all the time. And it's like that stuff just gets put in here. You know, we've been given a measure of faith. Now, if... If I gave you a measure of money, which this happens for most of us, you get a measure of money. You've been given a measure of money, and you go to the grocery store, you're very careful about how you spend that money. And you only choose the things that you want or that it's okay, I don't really want that, but that's what I can afford, you know. But you choose carefully to spend that money and you guard it and you don't waste it on things, right? And with our faith, it's the same way. That, that is your faith. And yet, the enemy will try to put stuff in there all day long. And that, that stuff, that, those ideas, you know, faith is designed to go from an idea into something that is real and tangible. And all of these thoughts and all of these intangible things, it's like, you know, once they're fully, if they became fully manifested in your life, you would have it. You would have that real thing, whether it was good or bad. Right? Now, God is sovereign and we're his kids and he doesn't just allow anything to happen. He's still in control and it's not, all up to our faith. He, he does things on his own that are good. And we don't simply get what we deserve. But it is your faith. It is my faith. And we need to be intentional. It, it, it's your responsibility to spend that faith on the right things. And what am I going to believe? And that's going to shape and steer uh, your whole life and everything that happens. So... I've been learning a little bit about American history because I find that uh, you guys know a lot about American history and I don't. So I've been uh, reading some books and I keep saying, do you know that when people moved out west, 20,000 people died on those little trails? 20,000 people died moving out west. I'm like, do you realize the price you guys paid? Everyone's like, we know. <laughs> I'm just getting this, you know. But those people, some of them didn't have faith in God, but they had faith in a better homeland. 
You know, they had faith in something better and they paid a price. And the thing that's difficult about faith is that walking in faith is stretching. Some of you have probably heard the story of the guy who walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope, right? He was a French guy. His name was Charles Blondin. And in 1859, he stretched an 1,100-foot, three-and-a-quarter-inch tightrope across Niagara Falls and walked all the way across to the amazement of the crowds. And he became so good at what he did, he actually walked across on a pair of stilts, stopped halfway and fried himself an egg and ate it. He put a sack around his feet and shuffled all the way along. And then one time, he pushed a wheelbarrow across. And when he got to the other side, an excited onlooker cried out, Mr. Blondin, I believe you are so good at this. You could cross Niagara Falls with somebody in that wheelbarrow. And Charles Blondin said, I believe you're right, sir, and I invite you to be the first one to try it. (laughs) The the man cordially declined the... uh, the invitation but you know what here's the thing God wants somebody to get in his wheelbarrow God is looking for somebody who will take the invitation and you know the difficult thing about a life of faith is you can't rest on yesterday's successes it's not okay for us to say for example well we moved to we did it we moved to South Carolina and we planted a church so we're done now We don't have to take any more risks because somehow God always has another wheelbarrow for you to get in. And he he really, really wants us to lead a life of faith. And a life of faith is exciting. And a life of faith is also scary because it is at enmity with our flesh. The spirit and the flesh are having a fight with one another. And God wants you to be spiritual people. And here is the barometer for a spiritual life. The Bible says that he who is spiritually minded has life and peace. And God wants us to walk a spiritual life. Let's read a little bit more from Hebrews 11. Can you guys get that up there? Scott just read verse 1. So I'm going to keep reading here in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. I don't know if this has ever bothered you, but it's bothered me because you think, okay, Abel was the sheep guy. He got the sheep, and Cain was the carrots and potatoes guy. He got the garden. And then it comes time for them to offer their you know, sacrifices to God, and they each offer what they had. And some people say, well, Abel's offering was more excellent because it was a blood sacrifice, and God likes blood sacrifices, and it kind of foreshadows Christ and all of that. But that's not really fair because carrots don't bleed. So Cain never had a shot at bringing a pleasing sacrifice. But I think the key is revealed to us not in Genesis 4 where the story begins, but in here where the story is reflected on, that we find out that faith was mixed with the offering. You know, when you give your offering, times are hard, right? The economy's not doing well, right? And I know, I don't know about you guys, but I know there's people in our church on a Sunday morning who make an offering and they're wondering if they're going to be able to buy their groceries. We need to mix faith with our offering. You know, um, when Scott and I moved in, still to this day, on a Sunday morning, Scott leaves the house about 8 o'clock, and I stay home. I got the kids ready, 
I put them in the car and I get them to church. Now, this has become an easier task, but when we first went to Sunday mornings, Matilda was still in the car seat, and I remember just some of the really annoying mornings I had, like this one time. I get all the kids in the car, and I'm already feeling a bit frazzled. I've got them all in. I'm reverting down the driveway, and I go, oh, I forgot my notes for my teaching, so I go back in the house. I can't find the notes. I'm looking everywhere. Where did I put them? And I'm my response to stress. You know, there's the, like the five classic responses to stress, and one of them is the blamer. I am a blamer, so I've lost my notes, and it's immediately Scott's fault, even though he's not there. So <laughs> I'm mad at Scott. What did he do with my notes? You know. <laughs> anyway, I find the notes, and I go outside, and I get in the car, and I go to reverse, and one of the kids is missing. It's Isaac. Where's Isaac? Oh, you went to the neighbor's house to go play with the neighbors. Oh, you kids are. Get out of the car. Go over to the neighbor. Bang on the door. Is Isaac there? Yeah, he's playing with the kid. Isaac, get back in the car. Shut the door. Go to reverse. Where's Lily? Oh, Lily went off for a bike ride. Lily has got out the car, got in the garage, got her bike. She's halfway down the road. So I get out the car, run after Lily, get her back. I just, you know, I'm, I get to church just minutes before the service starts, and I've got to get up and preach, probably on the joy of the Lord or something ridiculous like that, you know. So I'm in the car and I'm really upset with everybody that exists because it's everyone else's fault that I'm going through this difficult thing, right? And then I just, and this is my victory moment in my life. These simple words, you can say them after me. This is my offering. This is my offering. I just there and start driving down the road. I take a deep breath and I go, you know what? David said, I will not offer the Lord that which costs me nothing. 1 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 24. You know, David, the the king says to him, Hey, you know, why don't you just take that threshing floor and those animals for free? I'll just shout you these ones this time. You just take them. And David goes, There is no way I'm taking those for free. I'll pay you good money for those. Because I will not offer the Lord that which costs me nothing. You know, your life, it's okay for your faith and your Christian walk to feel difficult. It's okay for it to cost you something. But when you feel the cost, mix it with faith and say, this is my offering. Because as soon as it turns into worship, there is joy that comes. And I think that's what God was after. I think that's why Abel's sacrifice was better than Cain's. That's good. You know, we can can look for the easy road in life, you know, we could, just like the shopping cart, we could go through the whole day and just say, well, that's what happened, you know, that's just the the way my day was, like, I couldn't help it, you know, we um, just look for the easiest way, you know, sometimes uh, even volunteering at the church, it's like, it's like we just might, we might find ourselves expecting to do the easiest thing, you know, like, what is the easiest, well, that's, too difficult or that doesn't fit with my life and you know there's a balance for everything and yet if there is no sacrifice then where is the room for faith if it only was easy i mean if it got easier and easier it would be like you could do it in your sleep and you wouldn't notice it anymore where would be where would be the exercising of faith right it's impossible to step out in faith or to live a life of faith without there being a risk involved, right? Convenience is great, and I'm not saying we should throw it away, um, 
But if it was all convenient, there would be no faith. Okay, listen to this story here. Actually, I'm going to read it from my Bible because I printed the wrong version. I want Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Oh, New King James. I, it was the correct version, but the wrong. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Okay. Fifteen twenty one. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. Okay. He, he, here's this woman desperately coming to Jesus, the nice guy, asking for help, you know, cast out this demon, and he completely ignores her. Isn't that interesting? Completely ignores her. Uh, but he answered not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. Like, yeah, that sounds like my kids. Like, that's as spiritual as my kids, or maybe me. But it's like, you know, she's bothering us. Okay. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep uh, of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. So she's still not going away. He's, like, he's already said, basically said no twice. He's ignored her. He said, this is not why I've come. And she falls down and worships him and says, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Okay, now he calls her a dog. <laughs> he ignores her. He says, I did not come for you. You are a dog. Okay, if you experience that in your prayer life, in your journaling, what would you think, <laughs> you know? This is Jesus. It's not the Pharisees that she's coming to, you know. And she said, uh, and she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Isn't that amazing? Jesus says no, and he knows what he's doing, right? And, and she, she still gets her way, and I think that she's operating out of uh, what Hebrew or um, 1 Corinthians 12 and the, the list of the spiritual gifts as a gift of faith. And she's, I believe she's operating in a gift of faith here. And in, in that passage in 1 Corinthians, it kind of says, you know, various people have been given various gifts. And um, I don't know, I think that we all, if you have faith, you could have a gift of faith. Um, she operates in this and she's, she is pressing in and she manages to turn a no into a yes. Faith can turn a no into a yes. Right? She had to press through offense it was, it was awkward. It was inconvenient. 
it was uncomfortable, but she presses in and she, because in faith, she, she really is grabbing a hold of the purpose of Christ. It's just that it wasn't time yet, right? But she is reaching into and grabbing something that is real. And it's not that we do it for, you know, selfish means or in an unrighteous way could just get what we want. But she is seeing something that's there and she's apprehending it. Um, you know, she's pressing out and getting it. And, you know, this, this gift of faith, I've been thinking about it more and more because when I've read through that list before, it almost seems like the most unremarkable of the gifts. It's like you have a gift of shoe. Like, yeah, I know I'm wearing shoes. You know, it's just like this obvious thing that, you know, like speaking in tongues is like, well, that's different, right? You have a gift of faith. Like, that just seems like the most ordinary thing, right, in the context of Christianity. And yet I think that there's something different about the gift of faith, that it's not, it's, it's pressing out beyond what just happens to occur to you or what comes easily or what you would naturally have or what you've already accomplished on your own. And it is exercising a gift that, that, that presses beyond. Now, when we look at the rest of the gifts there, like prophecy or word of knowledge, we would say if you want to grow in that gift, you have to exercise it, right? You don't just become the prophet tomorrow, but if you want to become more excellent in that gift, you're going to exercise that gift. You're going to exercise it. You're going to practice. and You're going to press in, and you're going to treasure that gift. And I think that we need to realize that there is a gift of faith that we can intentionally press into, right? It's not just when it occurs to us, but we can go out of our way to look for opportunities to grow our faith. And to say, you know what, I, I just believe and I'm going to press in. And I've, and I've seen this recently where there was a situation at church and um, I was talking with a, a certain guy and, and I thought, you know, this would be so much better if he heard this from God than from me. You know, and it was like a, it was like a delicate situation and, and I, it was like, if, if it goes too much longer, I'm going to have to say this. And it, it would just be difficult. But if he heard it from God, it would be like his revelation. And, and I just prayed. And this faith came over me that God is going to tell him this. And I'd be going to bed at night. It'd be midnight. And I would you know, be headed, walking towards the bed and be like, no, I need to turn around. And something in me would just not rest. And I would just, pr- I prayed so much over this. 48-hour period, constantly in prayer, exercising this faith. And then he, he calls me and says, you know, guess what? You know, this is what God said to me. And I was like, you know what? I think you might be onto something there. <laughs> but I saw it that when something needs to happen, when something needs to happen, you have to press into th- this place of faith. You have to exercise this gift of faith. And you press in and you do not let go. Right? You do not let go and you, you, you come, whether there's impossibilities or offenses or whatever it is, until the story's over, you press in and you apprehend something in the heavens. 
Amen. I was recently complaining to the Lord that something I have wanted to see happen has not happened. Have you guys, who has a situation like that? Yeah. And I was saying, God, I've been talking to you about this, and why hasn't this happened? And as I was whining, this is what God said to me, clear as a bell, you've been whining to me, not praying to me. I was like, aren't they the same, kind of? There's the sons of complaints. And it, but it, actually what happened was it, it struck up faith inside of me, and I started to say, okay, I'm going to ask you for this. You know, my kids do this. They'll come to the kitchen. I didn't get a popsicle. And I'll be like, what a bummer. Poor you. And they'll, what are you going to do? Please may I have a popsicle? Yes, you can. You are brilliant. I will get you one. You know. And whenever I do that, God's like, you know, that's what you do. I'm like, I know. (laughs) Okay. Last point. Let's jump to Hebrews 11, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child. Though she was past age... Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Okay, I'm going to ask a question. I want you to be honest. How many people in this room feel like you are past age? Raise your hand. Like, you've missed it. You know, there's there's people in a certain age group that are younger than you that God's still going to use, but you, you were too late. You missed the boss or something. Right. Okay. A lot of people feel that, you know. Scott and I just recently, about six months ago, the Lord spoke to us and said, I'm going to cause you to raise up the dry bones. You know, in Ezekiel 37, God sees these dry bones and, I mean, Ezekiel sees them by a vision and God says, can these dry bones live? And then he prophesies to the dry bones. And the Lord spoke to us about raising up peoples in their 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond. Now, at this point in our church, we didn't have anyone over 45. So I thought that sounded a bit impossible. And then over the last six months, we've started to see people in their 50s, 60s and 70s join our church. Now, why am I saying this? I've been thinking a lot about this. And and the person that really came to mind to me is Winston Churchill. How many of you know who Winston Churchill is? Churchill just great guy. And Winston Churchill was amazing because he lived such a varied life and he lived a life of determination. But in the 1930s, he basically went into political obscurity. He became a laughing stock in the British government because he kept going on about this guy called Adolf Hitler that everybody else thought was great. And people in the British aristocracy were popping over to Germany to meet Adolf because doing a tremendous job with the German economy, you know. Such a great chap, that Hitler. And Winston Churchill was like... Just angry and seething and complaining about it. Well, of course, we know the story. And at 65 years old, Winston Churchill became the Prime Minister of Great Britain in 1940. And still to this day, conservative historians attribute to the victory of Britain in the Second World War to that man's speeches, to his fortitude in leadership. And, and in the face of the terrible Nazi force, when everybody else was quaking in their boots, when, at, when uh, Winston Churchill became prime minister, it was said of him that while everyone else was afraid, he was elated. He was elated, and he said this himself. He said, because I realized in that moment that
that every moment of my life had prepared me for this event, to lead the nation to war. And in his first speech in 1940 to the uh, House of Commons, he said this. He said, as I greet you today as your prime minister, I have nothing to offer you but sweat and blood and tears and toil and sufferings. We have months ahead of the most terrible threat. We will go. We will die. But we will never give up, you know. Amazing. Amazing, you know. And yet he, he was able, because of his life experience, because what he had drawn upon from his life. And, you know, there's a term now, have you heard of ageism? You know, where they say that, Younger people are like better than older people. And I just want to say that is not kingdom. Right? I believe that God really wants to raise up people in every age group into that place. But it is going to take faith. Because scripture said without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's how we relate with him. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're, if you're older, it, you know, it, sometimes it feels like a barren place. Sometimes there's an area in our life that feels barren. A relationship, a marriage, our finances, our job, our relationship with our kids. There are barren places in our life. But by faith, Sarah conceived and was fruitful. And I want to encourage you to stir up your faith and your prayer in the areas where you feel there is barrenness. Why don't you stand up and we'll pray. You want to say something? Okay. Well, let's just lift up our hands this morning. And let's just say this. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. <laughs> God, give us faith. And give to us by the Holy Spirit a gift of faith that we may fulfill our destiny, that we may please you, and that we may apprehend this life in fullness to your glory in Jesus name amen lay hands on someone else and say give them faith give them more faith okay give somebody a hug Adam thank you Scott and Stephanie that was really good Well, you guys in a couple minutes are going to have an opportunity to exercise your faith as we take an offering. So uh, keep that in mind. We want to bless the Joneses when we take offerings so you can designate right on the offering envelopes in the chair uh, in the pocket in front of you there uh, what you would like to to give to the Joneses and bless them. Uh, That would be good. We just have a few announcements this week. First of all, uh, if you are new and you've never turned in your connection card, please do that today. Take it to the connection counter there in the back, and uh, we have a gift for you. We'd love to bless you. We're thankful that you are here with us today. Uh, please do check out the bulletin, read the announcements. There's good information in here for you. Uh, a couple things I want to highlight. We do have the women's self-defense class starting this week, so talk to Lacey about that if you have any questions. Uh, and also, uh, there is an opportunity for you to feed into the future of the kingdom uh, by serving in kids' ministry. So both the, the kids' ministry and the Rush classroom are in need of volunteers. And this is an opportunity to not only impact children's lives, but to impact your own life. So I encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, serving in kids' ministry. 
All right, well, if our uh, ushers want to get ready, we are about to take the offering. Let's just pray. Father, we are thankful, Lord, for the word that you brought this morning. Lord, I pray that uh, we would grab hold of this, that we would lay hold of it, and that, God, we would live lives of faith. Lord, you would open up our eyes to opportunities to step out in faith, Lord, and that we would mix our offerings with faith. And, Father, I pray that right now, right now, Father, as we, as we just wait for a couple seconds, I pray that you would speak to each person in this room what you would have us offer to you. Father, whether it's today in this offering, financial gift, or uh, this week, what would you have us offer to you this week, Father, whatever it may be. Lord, speak to us now. We're just going to wait for just a couple seconds. Speak to us now, Father. You know, God is faithful. So that thing that you, you felt, that thing that you thought just now, that is, that is God. Be faithful now in what he told you. All right, let's take this offering. And I'm going to invite up our pastor. All right. Thank you, Adam. Give Adam a hand. All right. Awesome word. And um, what we have this morning is a little different. Uh, don't talk about the role of uh, uh, the board in the church much. They're a team of uh, folks that serve behind the scenes, but we do have a governing board, and the board is responsible for... Uh, really the big picture items, uh, setting the budget, determining my salary and how we use the finances and how we uh, manage the resources, but also making big decisions about who to hire, how to hire, how to, how to uh, plan for the future. And so it's a group of people that I depend on significantly uh, um, in, in leading this church uh, and, and, and preparing for the future. So if I could just have the board members come up. Today we're going to be installing uh, two new board members and uh, releasing one. Two for the price of one. <laughs> and we just want to uh, present them to you and then pray for them. Yeah. All right, give them a hand. That's <clears throat> it. All right, uh, the current board, and for the last several years, has consisted of Chip Hines uh, functioning as a treasurer. Um, Chip is stepping down. Uh, he's uh, preparing to make a transition in his life, right? <laughs> Could you give me the handheld mic? And uh, the other board member that's not present this morning is Jerry Birch. And Jerry uh, wasn't able to be here, but he is the, the, uh, the secretary. Uh, you have to have titles, legal thing. And then Seth uh, Gerber has been part of the board for, what, two years now, I think? Yeah. Okay, as one of the directors. And I'm the president of the board, and that's, that's uh, comprised the board over the last several years. Chip is stepping down, and we're going to be uh, adding Jim Thompson. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Jim has been a, a faithful member of the body for many, many years. I've known him probably for 20 years, eh? At least. Yeah, at least. <laughs> and just his, his, uh, he's a business owner. Uh, he's got a, deg a degree in accounting. And I just, uh, he's always supportive and, and willing to serve. And so this is uh, one of the big reasons why uh, the Lord led the board to select him as, as the next uh, treasurer, actually stepping in for uh, Chip Hines, and then uh, Matt Vollmer. <clears throat> yeah. 
Also, uh, 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 man, I haven't known him for 20 years, <laughs> but uh, faithful a servant in this house. And um, one thing that I, I don't know, maybe maybe other people would not say the same thing. But I've never heard Matt complain. So, uh-huh. so. <laughs> always supportive, supportive of the vision. Also comes with a lot of uh, business uh, knowledge, and and that's a big part of, of of the function of the board is is managing the resources of of uh, the church, uh, both the physical, the natural resources. But in in a in a church structure, a church is a business. Okay. There's a lot of business that has to happen. We own 20 acres. We have a 10,000 square foot building. We pay taxes. People don't realize churches pay taxes. We file all kinds of forms. But it's, but the business aspects of the church exist to serve the spiritual house. Okay. And so these, uh, uh, men understand that. And we work to facilitate the spiritual goals. And that's what it's always got to be. The spiritual goals are where we're that's what we're trying to fulfill, and we have natural means by which we accomplish this. And this team is the team that helps helps me. We work together to uh, pursue that goal. So we're going to first pray and bless and thank God for Chip. And uh, would you just join with me? And I'm going to ask Scott and Stephanie to come up as well. Uh, <clears throat> would you just uh, join by stretching out your hands and agreeing in prayer? If you guys have anything to say, just grab the mic. Okay. Father, we thank you for Chip. And Lord, I personally thank you that in a time of need, he was willing to step up when I asked him. And he said, sure, I'll help you out, Cameron. And so I thank you for Chip, that he's helped me. And that uh, his wisdom and his knowledge and his expertise in uh, leadership and especially accounting has helped significantly in, in getting things in order and, and how we do uh, and run things in this church. And just his advice, his willingness to just speak his mind uh, clearly. <laughs> Hallelujah. I appreciate this. I give thanks for this, Lord. And we bless Chip, Lord, that this next uh, season of life, whatever it may bring, God, I'm confident you will continue to give him blessing and reward, Father, and and and. and Maybe not even less responsibility, maybe greater responsibility. <laughs> it's just going to look different. So we bless and may offer up thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Yeah, I just had a sense, Chip, that uh, that God's got you on a yellow brick road, and there's an adventure that's awaiting you around uh-huh. this next wow. this next uh, corner, and uh, it's it's exciting, and it's um, it's going after and following that path that He's laid out for you. Yeah, I just think it's great that you're finally graduating from college. <laughs> Chip is a uh, associate professor at Western, and he's he's retiring, so. he's going to school for thirty years. <laughs> Thank you. And so this picture, uh, Chip, of this kind of. Um, it almost looked like one of those Roman wreaths that Caesar would wear, and I saw it kind of like a silver band around your head. And it's not your gray hair, so. <laughs> but I saw it change to gold, and then when Cameron was talking about having more responsibility, I do feel that it's something to do with that, that God's actually 
going to promote you. And, yeah. you know, gold is, is more valuable, more sought after than silver. Yeah. So, Lord, I thank you for just the, what you have in store for Chip. And we bless him and we honor him for his service in this house, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah, Chip, I just saw... Um, <clears throat> Well, it was a couple of things. Uh, first, I saw a flower blooming, um, but then then it kind of changed into uh, fireworks, and uh, you know, fireworks are shot way up in the air. And I I just feel like your life has been shot up into the air, and now is the time when you're going to explode and really yeah. blossom into yeah. a beautiful, uh, a beautiful <laughs> life. Yes. I, I mean, just it's gonna it's gonna expand. Amen. Thank you, Father. Well, yes, Lord, we bless all these things, Lord. We just uh, uh, confirm them and, and thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody give him a big hand for serving. Many years. Many, many long hours of meetings trying to figure out how to do things. Matt and Jim, would you just step forward? We pray for you guys together. So these are the two stepping in. It takes two to fill Chip's shoes. So, <laughs> same thing. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for Jim. We thank you for Matt, Lord, and raising them up to, to serve as uh, board members of the church to provide uh, natural and spiritual leadership for this congregation. And Lord, I pray an impartation of wisdom and spiritual authority Father, to lead this congregation as a team, that, that we would lead this congregation into your will. Uh, Lord, that you would equip us and make us sensitive. Just let there be a spirit of a unity and agreement. Lord, that we all hear God's voice. Lord, as they respond to serve, Lord, not really knowing what they're getting into. Father, that they with that faith would be met, Lord, by your provision. And God, that we would see amazing things occur over the next, uh, over the course of the next few years, uh, as we lead this congregation. So I bless them, and we welcome them in, we anoint them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit with a, a gift of a leadership, uh, Lord, during this season to, to function on this team, to lead this congregation. God, that we would be sensitive to your spirit and to your will. And Lord, that we would press through whatever obstacles may Arise so that we can continue on the path that you've uh, ordained for us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Shalom. Yeah, I just see um, kind of two mantles sitting on on a boardroom table (coughs) for you guys, and I just just have this sense that the there is an anointing that goes with it, and it's not just what you have to bring, but the Lord has prepared um, a mantle and an anointing for you to take on. And there's, there's a supernatural resource there for you that you have not walked in before. And I just encourage you to take it as you step into this role. Take the supernatural gift. Um, and, and God is going to lift you up and, and he's going to equip you uh, to not just bring your own uh, experience to the table, but to function, you know, in his spirit, yes. in the direction of the church. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always have something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I, um, Matt, it's just so wisdom coming on you, uh, really 
like beyond your normal realm of wisdom. I know Cameron mentioned some things about business, and but I saw a wisdom coming on you for strategy, yeah. uh, that the Lord says you're a strategist, and I saw you, you know, at the strategy board, uh, like a general of war, and I saw you reaching out your hand and even uh, seeing things that are, you know, um, seeing threats on the battlefield. Wow. That's what I saw you doing. I saw you seeing threats and seeing dangers and being able to bring direction. Yeah. And Jim, I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless the, the Father's mantle that's over your yeah. life. And um, I just, Jim Tomza, I call you forth right. into the fullness yes. of your destiny. I, I just yeah. speak to right into the inner man there, and I say, yeah. rise up, a yeah. warrior. Yeah. And I saw you reaching out and, and taking hold of a sword that has your name on it that you've never taken a hold of before. Right. And I saw strength coming to your arms, and I saw you really going to the fight yeah. in a whole new way. So I bless that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, and as uh, as they started praying for you guys, I just saw you both looking through scopes, and I just really felt like that you guys were going to be snipers, and that yeah. God was going to give you uh, just long-range vision and just tactics for for the battlefield that lays ahead. And I think that's really interesting with what Stephanie said. Yeah, so amen. Bless that. Well, yeah, Father, we bless these words, Father, and we thank you for these servants in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Give him a big hand. All right, you may be dismissed.